Hey everybody, it's me, Stu Helm, the food fan here at Food Fan Headquarters with another exciting episode of Asheville Food Fans. It's a podcast that I record throughout the week and then I put it together for broadcast on WPVM 103.7 FM, the voice of Asheville, broadcasting to the world. Hey everybody, it's me Stu Helm, the food fan here at Food Fan Headquarters. And this week I have a show for you that is going to be entirely me talking to you. I don't have any interviews with anybody else. I didn't go out in the field and record exciting sound effects for you on the streets and kitchens of Asheville. It's just me. I'm going to review some food, talk about some stuff, And I hope that that is adequate for you this week. Last week, I didn't have time to review anything. And I told you that this week I would try to do that. And I decided I'm going to take the whole show for myself. I almost never do that. And I hope it's not boring. Um, So first of all, let me talk about this uh, very unique thing that I did this week. I was a judge, and I guess it was technically last week. I was a judge at the capstone dinner for the graduating students of the culinary program at Asheville Buncombe Technical School, AB Tech. And uh, every at the end of every program, they have to, the students in the culinary program, they have to do this capstone dinner. And it involves a dining room situation with a lot of people and regular table service type of stuff, like banquet style. And then another room where eight judges at a time are seated and eight students at a time are go are doing the capstone. And so each judge is assigned a student and that student brings out their meal to that judge. Or actually it's not the same student who cooks it. It's a different student because it's sort of a blind taste test type of situation where we don't know the person who cooked it. Uh, so anyways, I get invited to this thing to be a judge. And I was like, wow, that's, that's pretty big honor. I feel you know, privileged and honored to be invited to try this food and to be, you know, included in such an important thing for the students. So it turns out my good friend, Stephen Goff, Chef Stephen is also one of the judges this year and he has been in the past. And so I asked him if he could give me a ride and we went together and he told me a little bit about it on the way over there and what I should expect. And he actually told me, you know, like this isn't this isn't a chance to be harsh and not that I was going to be harsh, but he told me, you know, like try to relax and enjoy the food and judge them as students and don't, you know, don't be a jerk about it. And I was, I was down with that. So we get there, there's the big dining room with all the fancy people. And I saw some of my fancy food eating friends walk in there. And then there was the judges room And turns out I was the only person in the room who wasn't a chef. And and I should say that I was invited to do this by Chef Chris Berger, who is a chef instructor at AB Tech. And so all the instructors are chefs and all the judges are chefs. And then there's little old me, food blogger, Stu Helm. And uh, so I felt kind of out of place and a little shy and, um, you know, Maybe like one of these things doesn't belong, you know, but Chris assured me more than once that, and so did the other chef instructors assure me that they had talked about it amongst themselves and they were all really happy that I was there to do this with them. So that made me feel a lot better about being the only person there who wasn't a chef. Now I should say about myself that I'm one hell of an eater. I eat all kinds of food all the time, very adventurous, have eaten everything from, you know, truck stop or gas station food to $400 a person meals in Michelin rated restaurants. I don't think of myself as an expert so much as just somebody who has a lot of experience eating a lot of different foods. And I'm not not uh, willing to say I'm some sort of great judge of food, but I pretty much know how food should look and taste. And so I am not 
like even though I felt out of place, it's not like they I'm some schlub with no experience at all. I know a lot about food. I've been writing about food now for 10 years and uh, I'm on schedule to eat at like 200 restaurants this year alone. So this guy knows a little something about food. And um, and I was glad I had Chef Steven right next to me because we were allowed the judges to talk to each other. So if I had questions, I could just ask Steven and Chef Chris and then Chef Frank Mueller were there from or Chef Muller uh, were there as instructors uh, to help the judges as well. So I wasn't a complete fish out of water and I had some help. So then the food comes out and it's one dish at a time, seven courses. I think I accidentally called it five courses on Facebook, but it was seven courses. And we had like a score sheet and we were asked to rank it on a 10 to one scale. And Chef Berger broke it down for us that eight, nine, 10 are basically A's, seven, six, five are B's and so on like that. So the number grade kind of correlated to a letter grade. And you were allowed to do decimals as well. And uh, the food, my my student uh, was a great cook. Like, they did a great job. Uh, some of the food took a little while to get to me. And I could tell that it had a little bit died on the shelf before it got to me. But that's not their fault. That's because they had this dining room full of people. And Chef Berger explained to us that that might happen. Um, and so, you know, I didn't, there was no, like, taking points off for the ravioli kind of deflated a little bit because who knows how long it sat before it came to me, but I graded her uh very high to middle, like high, all in the highs. They did a great job. And I just used a gender pronoun. It was a female chef um, identifying as such. And so like, she did a great job with the food and I gave her great high grades on it, but I had, criticism as well and i offered her that and i think that she appreciated it uh she seemed very grateful that i didn't just like tear her to shreds or anything like that she seemed super nervous when uh it was time for us to actually meet the way it worked is she made two of everything for the judge's room and one was put in front of me and I ate it. And the other was put on a table behind me so that by the end of the judge's service, there were seven dishes on the table behind me. And then she came out and we stood next to those dishes and I critiqued them. And I didn't spend a ton of time critiquing. I don't know how to cook those things. I only know what they should look and taste like basically. And she did a great job, especially she made some tiramisu that was fantastic. Each student has to, uh, is assigned a culinary, like a classical culinary tradition, like Italian, French, uh, I would imagine Chinese, Japanese, things like that. My student had Italian, so I had tiramisu, ravioli, uh, nudi, and some other, th a Caesar salad or caprese salad and some other things like that. So uh, it was a, I was full by the end. It was a nice little seven course meal. Part of the service was consomme and consomme is like a clear broth. So the consomme had a, was a clear brown broth with three nudie in it. And I had actually had a conversation with Chef Stephen about consomme and he told me the arduous process of making it. And also he told me, how it should look and taste when it is made. And as far as I could tell, and I've had consomme before, you know, stranger, but um, as far as I could tell, this was perfect. Like it was just perfect. It was as clear as could be. I mean, it wasn't, it, it was brown because it was consomme, but it was, you could have read a book through this thing, uh, through a glass bowl of this consomme. And at the, the nudie, they were not, quite soft enough and so that was my critique like the the consomme was perfect the nudie were not quite soft enough but i also told them nudie is hard and and chefs and professional restaurants struggle with it too i've eaten nudie at restaurants like good restaurants that was subpar nudie uh so you know, I tried to, even with my critique, I tried to soften the blow a little bit. I wasn't there to hurt anybody's feelings, dash anybody's dreams, or be like twisting my mustache and laughing a dastardly laugh while I shred somebody's cooking. I was there to help 
the student get past this um, capstone dinner and hopefully provide them with some valuable information. Now, it was great. Boom, it was done. It took about three hours, I think. And Stephen and I went home. Uh, he dropped me off at home and it was all over. And then I shared a post about it on Facebook. And then AB Tech shared that post. And then somebody decided on that post to sort of like trash me a little bit and trash AB Tech for inviting me to judge. And basically their critique was that it was unfair to my student that they didn't get a chef to judge their capstone dinner. And uh, it became pretty clear in the text, in the comment thread that this person just doesn't like me and doesn't respect me. And that's fine. Uh, there are people out there who just, it, it irritates them to no end that I don't write negative reviews. Now, I have negative opinions about bad food. I just don't express them in public. And therefore, some people think that I'm a poor judge of food, that I just, you know, like everything is what they, you like everything, Stu. So the idea from this commenter was that, of course, I gave my student good grades, I give everybody good grades, and therefore my grading has no value. Now, I didn't, you know, that's not true. None of that is true. And this person just doesn't know me and didn't really know how the capstone dinner worked, except for that they themselves had been through the program. They were a graduate of AB Tech and they work in a local restaurant. So I did think it was kind of weird that they were attacking their alma mater and attacking me, a person who has actually written good reviews of the restaurant they work at. Um, and, and a person I've never met in my life. So what, what are you attacking me for, buddy? But anyways, it didn't matter to me too much, except for that I, I was like, well, how does AB Tech feel about this? And so I wrote to Chris Berger and I apologized for the negative commentary from this person because I sometimes attract negativity because of what I do for a living, I think. I'm not sure what it is. Um, people just think I'm some idiot that eats free food all day and I don't know. I, I don't really know where the negativity comes from, but it comes to me. And I apologize to Chris for that because the person did like sort of poop on uh, AB Tech a little bit for even inviting me to judge. And Chris wrote back to me right away. And he was like, dude, that person, whatever. Uh, we talked about it a long time and I thought about it pretty hard. And we thought that you were actually the perfect person to judge this particular student. We actually do try to pair the judges with the students. It's not random. And we, and students who graduate AB Tech, they're not going out in the world to cook for other chefs. They're going out in the world to cook for people and especially eaters. Now, some eaters are not, suited to judging because they are way too harsh and critical other eaters might not be harsh or critical enough and you know i've been accused of that but the truth is i can be very harsh and critical about food i just don't write reviews of that food because a million reasons i've gone over already it's just not valuable to the public discourse it's a kick in the teeth to an independent restaurant uh the chefs do not think of it as feedback that they, oh, this person hated my food. I better change what I do. No, it just makes them angry. And um, and, it, and negativity begets negativity. And that is just a fact. So I, uh, I am a positive person in general, although, you know, internally, I struggle with positivity and negativity. And I have struggled with even depression for my whole life, but I try to be outwardly positive. And believe me, that has made me, uh, that the positivity comes back more times than it, than the negativity, like a million more times than the negativity. And so that has actually made my life more positive and made me less depressed, like for real, just projecting positivity has had a profound effect has, I'm not even getting a profound effect on my own mental well-being and i got totally sidetracked right there talking about that but the point is that i that chris chef Berger, he reassured me that uh, no we did not randomly select you we thought about it and we thought you were the perfect person for your chef uh now my chef uh graduate or my student uh graduate is about to graduate and become a chef i believe and open a food truck and I don't know the name of the truck. I don't want to say 
anything that's not, you know, supposed to be in the public domain right now, but I'm looking forward to that person opening a food truck and tasting the food that they feel passionate about because I, I don't know that they're going to open an Italian restaurant and try to serve me consomme with nudie. I think that was just the assignment. And so I'm, I'm very curious to see what this person does. And so there you go. That was a really fun and unique experience for me as a food writer. I would love to be invited back. I don't know that I will be. I guess they do have repeat judges, but um, I would love a chance to try more of the chef student food and to participate in what I think is one of the greatest pillars of our amazing local Asheville food scene, which is the AB Tech Culinary Program. So many amazing chefs teach there. So many amazing students come out of there and fill up the restaurant kitchens in Asheville, as well as New York, San Francisco, Atlanta. Once they graduate from AB Tech, they can go on to cook just about anywhere. So there you go. Uh, thank you, Chef Berger, for inviting me. All right, let's have a little musical interlude, and then I'll come back with more reviews. All right, everybody, it's me, Stu Helm, the Food Fan. I'm back here in Food Fan Headquarters. And have you heard me rave about these slow-cooked meats at Manicomio? Have I already raved about that on the radio? I don't think I have. Oh, my God. So the story of Manicomio Pizzeria downstairs, downtown, downstairs. Oh, my God. I wish I'm upstairs at my house. I wish that Manicomio was right downstairs, except for I take that back. I lived above a pizzeria when I was my first apartment I ever lived in when I was like 18 years old or whatever. It was right above a pizzeria uno. And holy moly, was I tired of the smell of pizza by the time I moved out of there. So scratch that about wanting to live upstairs from Manicomio. I'm glad it's right downtown where I can find it anytime I want to. And here's a little story of Manicomio you may not know. Started by a guy named Mike Napolitano. Mike moved to Asheville to retire after a lifetime of making pizza on various parts of the country. Uh, Mike got here to Asheville, made the brilliant New York observation that we don't have any good pizza in this town. And he came out of retirement to open Manicomio to serve pizza to these poor hippies up in Asheville, as he puts it. And he knew he didn't want to do it all by himself. So he called up his last best employee and a person he knew would be interested in investing in the restaurant, John Lebowitz. And so Johnny moved up to Asheville and he and Mike were partners on Manicomio for the first five years. And then Mike really did retire and John is sole proprietor now. Okay, so you've picked up a couple of things so far that Mike's last name is Napolitano and John's last name is Lebowitz. Pizza, uh, chicken parmesan, eggplant rollatini, that's all in Mike's cultural sphere. And what's, what's in John's cultural sphere? Well, John has been telling me for a couple of years that he really wants to start introducing some Jewish deli foods to the menu at Manicomio. And boy, howdy, has he done that. Oh, my God. He is making corned beef, pastrami, and brisket, as well as latkes. And it's amazing. The corned beef Reuben that he served me, as well as the pastrami Reuben, and I don't even like pastrami as much as corned beef. The pastrami Reuben was equally delicious. No, I take that back. The corned beef was even a little more delicious but they were both super fantastic. And the brisket on top of the latkes was exactly what the doctor ordered for me. And then he also put the brisket on a hoagie with some broccolini on it or broccoli rob. I can't remember right now, but so, so good. Um, just instant contender for sandwich of the year for the corned beef Reuben. And I asked John, hey man, is this something that your family been doing for generations like where'd this come from and he said no I pretty much just figured it out and did some experiments and took me a couple of weeks to really nail it down and I was super impressed like he has a latent talent for slow cooked Jewish deli meats and 
every weekend it's got the Rubens are going to be on the menu. He right now, John's closed on Monday or Tuesday and Wednesday. So on Thursday through the weekend, he's got the slow cooked meats on the menu and I can't recommend it highly enough. If you are like me and you're a fan of Reuben sandwiches, go get the Reuben at Manicomio. You will not be disappointed. All right, folks. Well, next on my list of things to review, I went down to my home away from home, Winter Park, Florida. Now, in case you don't know, my wife, Dawn, lives part-time in Winter Park, Florida because she teaches full-time at Rollins College. So when you add up all the weekends and uh, spring break, fall break, winter break, and summer that she spends up here in Asheville. She's up here about six months of the year. And I go down to visit Winter Park maybe once or twice a year. Uh, she prefers to come to Asheville, but I do really love Winter Park. It's really cute and pretty down there. And when the weather's not too hot, it's nice. And I'm fortunate that on my most recent visit, it was in the 60s the whole time I was down there. And I bought a neck fan. Did you guys hear about this neck fan that's changed my life? It's this thing. It looks like you're wearing sort of cool headphones around your neck, but it's blowing air in your face the whole time. And it's the most fantastic thing ever. So my last trip to Florida, I wasn't too hot, which was like a big change than my usual trips to Florida. But I went to some of my usual spots. And one of my usual spots down there is a bakery called Buttermilk Bakery and holy moly, Asheville, you don't even know. Oh, I mean, we got great bakeries in this town. The Rue, the new Rabbit Hole, West End Bakery, uh, City Bakery, Old Europe, uh, that's more of a patisserie shop than a bakery, but you know what I mean. We got some good stuff going on in this town, but Buttermilk Bakery they would fit right in downtown and they might shoot straight to the top of the charts, man. The variety of stuff they serve, the quality of stuff they serve, sweets, savories, breads, Danish, you name it, they got it. And whenever I'm there, I buy it and I eat it and it's fantastic. And so for my listeners in Winter Park, Florida, and for anybody who's visiting down there, you've got to stop into Buttermilk Bakery. It is just incredible and tell them Stu sent you last time I was in there I told them I'm from Asheville and the uh, person behind the counter their eyes got wide and they got this sort of longing look on their face and they said oh I've been to Asheville it's really nice up there and I said oh yeah it's great and you guys would fit right in you should open a store in Asheville and she was she was familiar with how great our food scene is, and she was very excited to hear that I thought they would fit right in in Asheville. So who knows? Maybe one day we will have a buttermilk bakery here in Asheville. Uh, another place that I've been to now twice, so I would call it one of my regular jams when I'm in Winter Park, is a Korean restaurant called Shin Yong. That's S-H-I-N-J-U-N-G, Shin Yong Restaurant uh korean restaurant and it was it's awesome the sides you know korean restaurants they always give you a bunch of sides that are like kimchi and pickles and stuff like that the sides are awesome like some of the best i've ever had don got the bulgogi babimbap which is you know the steaming hot or the crackling hot stone bowl comes out like 400 degrees or whatever the noodles are getting all crispy on the bottom you break the egg on top you mix it all in it's got the Korean bulgogi beef in there. Really super delicious. I got a dish called jabche, which is made out of sweet potato noodles. And uh, I learned how to love this one at Korean House right downtown, a restaurant that I miss a lot. And I miss the people who ran it as well. They were really nice people. And we used to go in with food tours and they were some of the most generous uh, food tour hosts in the history of our company. And uh, they so Korean house, I miss you. I hope you're doing well elsewhere. Uh, but yeah, Shin Yung Korean restaurant in Winter Park. If you again, if you're listening to me in Winter Park or Florida, get on in. And the next time you go visit Winter Park, get on in. All right. So that, those are my two Winter Park adventures. I did go to a cafe called Don Juan and had a great 
cappuccino and a pastry, a Cuban style pastry. And apparently this Don Juan is a cafe chain with uh, but a small chain from what I could tell from their website with locations in Mexico and Florida. And I wasn't clear if there was actually a location in Cuba, but that might be where it originated. So if you see a Don Juan coffee shop, pop in, get a cappuccino. It was excellent. And the winter park location, the people are really friendly. Like I got really friendly service and they were pumped that I really enjoyed my cappuccino and my pastry. All right, so those are my Florida adventures, y'all. Um, let's have a little more music, and then I'll be back to talk about more. All righty, I'm back. Uh, Stu Helm here, the food fan. Stu Helm, the food fan here at Food Fan Headquarters. And now let's talk about the brand new Restoration Hotel. Now, the Restoration Hotel is right smack dab in the middle of downtown Asheville, right where the Bank of America was, and then the abandoned Hulk that used to be the Bank of America was for many years. It was a chain-link fence with garbage on the other side every once in a while. Some people would cut through the fence and start camping back there and leave more garbage and it was a mess, like a complete nightmare. But um, they, uh, the Restoration Hotel took it over, has been rebuilding it for a few years, and they're all done. It's Well, they might still be working on the basement, the sub-basement or whatever. So I've gone on two tours of this thing. One thing while it was one tour while it was still under construction, I went with my friend Lucho from Asheville Multicultural, and we got a tour of the whole building. And it's immense, man. The The grounds are huge. The footprint, the indoor footprint of this thing is like huge. So a big dining area for their main restaurant, a little cafe right inside the lobby, a big bar type of thing going on downstairs that's going to have bowling alleys and ski ball. And that's the thing they're still working on. Uh the is the bowling alley is not quite in and stuff but the upstairs is open to the public the cafe the gift shop are all open to the public the building itself is quite nice in my opinion when i see new buildings going up in Asheville, i get scared because usually they're hideous um but this one they copied or they didn't copy but they took inspiration from the giant arched windows of the s and w building which is just a few doors down and the uh, drummer building, which is just right next door to the S&W, which also has giant arched windows. So they've got some architectural decisions that are in keeping with what's happening on the block. They have two balconies, one where the public can gather for stuff and then balconies for the hotel rooms. And I went out on both and they're great, uh, really awesome views above Pritchard Park, just really beautiful and um, the rooms, I was in the rooms, they were finished completely. These days, people are staying there. They're totally finished. But the rooms are gorgeous, the Italian leather headboards and stuff like that. Uh, one thing about this hotel is uh, I don't know how much it costs to stay there over at night. I'm going to guess it's pretty spendy. But one thing that's good about this hotel is that once you're in there, they don't nickel and dime you to death on everything that you might want. So the the non-alcoholic beverages in the mini bar and the snacks are all free, you know, quote unquote free because you paid for the room. But they come with the room. They had some non they had some mixed alcoholic beverages and bottles that are some of their house mixed cocktails. And even those I thought were reasonably priced. They were like $24 for the bottle. And I don't know, what does a cocktail go for these days? 12 bucks at least. And there seem to be two cocktails in this bottle. So I kind of appreciated that about this place is that although it was uh, probably priced outside of my own personal economic ability to stay there, I felt like, well, at least once you're here, they don't try to nickel and dime you to death over these little gratuitous snacks and stuff. So that's good. And I went, so I got the first tour when it was unfinished. The second tour I went on was I went to their ribbon cutting. So they've joined the Chamber of Commerce, of course. And when you do that, you get a ribbon cutting. And that happened. And I was there with my friend Ame Diaz from Modesto and Salsas and Bamba. We went together and we 
uh, tried the food, basically, like it was set up buffet style, which doesn't give you a real indication of how the food is going to be. But it was tasty. I had some charcuterie and a slider and it was all very tasty. And then we took another tour of the more finished hotel and it was great. So I am a person who is not psyched every time a new hotel is built in the three square inches of downtown Asheville. Um, but this this restoration hotel, at least it's nice, and at least it has a giant restaurant that's open to the public. And at least from what they're telling me, they really want to play nice with the people of Asheville, and they want to start bowling leagues for the locals, and they want the restaurant industry to hang out in their bar and stuff. And so I've been giving them a chance. I went back for lunch recently and I got their slider trio and it, it was a little fried chicken sandwich, a little pulled pork or a little pork belly sandwich and a little smash burger. And uh, it was real good. The chicken sandwich was my favorite of the three. The pork belly was cooked just right and was crispy and melty and had a really nice flavor. Slider had dried out a little bit, maybe under the heat lamp before it got to my table. But um, it was still tasty, and I enjoyed all three sliders. And I'm going to keep going back, trying their breakfast, lunch, and dinner menu, and I'll keep you guys posted on how it is. Now, you know, hotels, hotel restaurants and hotels, they do not really excite me as much as small independent restaurants, but I do like to go to them. They're here, and I can't deny that. And so I do like to go to them and check out what they're doing for their guests as well as for the people of Asheville. So I have high hopes for the Restoration Hotel. Please go in, check it out yourself, and let me know what you think of the food and the coffee and the whole atmosphere and what they're trying to do. All right, so let's take another little break, and then I'll be back with more. All right, everybody, I'm back. It's me, Stu Helm, the food fan at Food Fan Headquarters. And right now I want to talk about something that's not really about food, but it's kind of tangential to food because it's about public safety in downtown Asheville. And, you know, this has been a hot topic of conversation online and in the news and, and people have been kind of kicking Asheville in the teeth about our crime and stuff and it hasn't been great. As somebody who's downtown a lot myself, I'm, I you know I do the food tours. I'm not downtown at night a whole lot, um, but I'm downtown during the day, and uh, the the crime situation is not great. Let me just put it that way. It's not out of control. We all know that a couple of weeks ago somebody was robbed at gunpoint in downtown Asheville, and while that is horrible, it's telling that everybody knows. Uh, because it doesn't happen very often, whereas in other cities it happens so often that we wouldn't really know. Uh, believe me, I lived in Chicago and Boston and I've been to L.A. and, you know, like even uh, Orlando, Florida, where I go sometimes is probably got it with such frequency that while it might make the news if somebody was hurt during one of those things, it probably wouldn't make the news if it just happened that somebody was robbed at gunpoint. But still, that stinks for little old Asheville. I think that a lot of us still think of Asheville as being like Mayberry, like a hippie version of Mayberry, peace, love, and all of that. But crime happens, and crime has been uh, on the rise all over America, including little old Asheville. So uh, the city is aware of that. And by the city, I mean city council and the mayor have been made aware of that. They have been accused of not really doing a lot about it. And there's been some accusations that the police were, quote unquote, defunded. Now, that's that's not the case. The police in Asheville were never defunded. Their budget was frozen for a year. Uh, it was the year of covid so there was less of a need for the police during that year i believe uh, i could be wrong about that but uh it was frozen for a year and then it increased the following budget year and so that's not the reason uh we do have fewer police officers and that is a complicated issue that i don't know a lot about myself i've only heard people talk about and most people seem to believe that we just don't pay our police officers enough money I'm not sure if that's true or not. 
But any hoodles, uh, it's been an issue, a lack of policing, uh, dirty streets, a lot of homelessness, a lot of people in crisis in downtown. And by a lot, I mean a handful. It's still a small town, but it sticks out when there's 12 people that are always downtown that seem to be in mental crisis and living on the streets. And it becomes a problem for commerce and public safety when on occasion those folks might and other folks and drunken tourists and all kinds of people might fly off the handle and get loud and break things. Um, And so that that's the majority of what's happening downtown is, uh, it seems to be mental issues combined with or uh, just tangentially next to drug and alcohol issues. And the drug and alcohol issues certainly are not confined to the homeless population. Um, that Neither are the mental issues, to be honest with you. But um, so anyways, this is all a big, long introduction for me to tell you about how the city is rolling out a 60-day initiative to address safety in downtown Asheville starting May 1st of this year, 2023. And here's what's going to go down. They, they have some bullet points that y'all can find at publicinput.com slash AVL downtown safety initiative. Okay. Publicinput.com slash AVL downtown safety initiative. And here are the bullet points. In the next 60 days, they will have an effort to increase law enforcement presence by utilizing foot, bike, and vehicle patrols, as well as enhanced security in downtown parks. I think that's something that everybody in downtown would like to see. Just to be clear, like we're opposed to police brutality. We're not opposed to policing. Um, The next bullet point launch of a community responder pilot program and all the letters of that were capitalized community responder pilot program led by the Asheville fire department to support individuals in crisis and provide a more visible city public safety presence downtown. I think this is a great idea. And a lot of people believe that with these situations where people are obviously you know, uh, hurting and on the streets. And there are a lot of times they're not causing any problems except for that they're, you know, acting out with their demons in a public setting. And we don't want people with guns to come intimidate them or arrest them. You know, it's not illegal to be schizophrenic in public. We don't want folks like that to get harassed by the same people and harassed is the wrong word, but we don't want them to have to deal with the same people that we would send to deal with a violent crime of somebody who's, who's in a much different situation. Right. And so, yes, a a responder team that doesn't pack guns would be great, you know, and you might need both in, in some situations, But the pilot program will be used to inform a longer-term community responder initiative past the 60 days. And that's great news for Asheville, I believe. So uh, we'll, we'll hope that it works. The next bullet point is focused attention on the removal of litter, needles, and biological waste in general down and general downtown cleanliness. Wow. Thank you. Oh, my God. Yes, that has been an issue. And the term biological waste. Woo, that's that's a heavy one right there for downtown. We all know that the doorways of the businesses of downtown Asheville can get used for any number of reasons and uh, can be a horrible thing to come to try to open your restaurant or your cute little boutique. And there's some nasty business going on in your doorway. Uh, and then it's up to you to clean it most of the time. And, uh, so yeah, that's great. More litter removal, especially the needles and the biological waste and the general downtown cleanliness. I have been saying for a long time that downtown has needed a good scrubbing with an SOS pad. Um, all right. So that's great. And as, and it also says as well as increased maintenance activities in downtown parks. And that's a good idea as well. Uh, Next bullet point, partner with any private or nonprofit organization to identify key locations in downtown where there are public safety concerns and or schedule 
and or to schedule community cleanup efforts. So that's that's great. Uh, get the community involved. Uh, you know, I walk around a lot. I can pinpoint dirty spots. <laughs> I can help out there. And uh, next bullet point, enforcement of illegally parked cars with a specific focus on the areas in and around Pritchard Park. Now, I'm not sure what that one's about and why that's an issue, but um, that they're cracking down on that. Next bullet point, enhanced frequency of monitoring city-owned and operated public parking garages, including stairwells in these facilities. Oh, my God. Thank you. <laughs> The stairwells in some of the public parking garages are like post-apocalyptic, nightmarish scenarios. And if you step into them unaware, it's shocking to the human eyes to see what's going on. And I can only imagine some retired couple from Idaho parking their jalopy in the parking garage and then walking into the stairwell and being confronted with that nightmare they'll, they'll, if they survive they'll never come back to Asheville again all right there's only two more bullet points i'll get through them quickly next one focused attention on quickly removing graffiti on public property and graffiti code enforcement on private property in the downtown area yeah, graffiti can be an issue in downtown. It's more of an issue in places like the River Arts District or the South Slope sometimes. And there's a difference, of course, between graffiti art and just vandalism. And downtown vandalism happens. Like the beautiful museum facade got vandalized and that with some spray paint. That just stinks, you know. So that's that's good. That makes downtown look better. Uh, and final bullet point here, concentrated effort to identify streetlight outages in the central business district and coordination of necessary streetlight replacements with Duke Energy. It's like they saved the most boring one for last. But yeah, obviously, you, you haven't been doing that already is the way I felt about that last bullet point. But they're going to concentrate their efforts to identify them. Uh, there's a few things encouraging what the community can do, reporting crimes to 911, reporting non-emergency public safety concerns to 828-252-1110. That's the non-emergency number for APD. Report criminal activity anonymous, anonymously by texting, all, it's in all caps, I don't know, I doubt that's necessary, but it's TIP. To APD and the two is the number two. So tip to APD to you tip you text that to eight four seven four one one. And there's a bunch more. Go look them up yourself. Um uh, on as I said, publicinput.com slash AVL downtown safety initiative. There's a little thing about the accountability at the end of this whole rigmarole here. And it says, during this 60-day period, city staff will be tracking and testing actions we hope will make for a safer downtown. The efforts we are taking will be tracked and regularly updated on the above tab titled Response by the Numbers. At the end of the 60 days, staff will assess whether or not our actions are having an impact on downtown safety and determine next steps steps to support a safer downtown and city as whole as a whole and then there's a timeline under that of all the efforts they've made so far and uh yeah you can click on the tab i see it right here response by the numbers click on that and uh yeah stay tuned and get, let the city know how you feel i love downtown Asheville. i don't mind if it's a little bit gritty i don't want it to be unsafe I don't want to hear about people getting robbed at gunpoint for sure. And uh, so let's help the city to cl clean itself up. And let's let's make sure that the people who live in and around Asheville enjoy downtown Asheville because there's a reason why so many tourists come here. Downtown is awesome. So if you live here, try to take advantage of how awesome it really is. All right, folks, uh, another break, and then I'll come back to sign off. Folks, I just want to remind you that Western North Carolina is one of the hunger hotspots of America. Although we might think of Asheville as Food City, USA, there are a lot of folks who live in and around here who are dealing with food insecurity on a daily basis. 
So if you can, please give to Mana Food Bank. Mana has been providing food to the people of Western North Carolina for 40 years. They do a great job and they are a wonderful organization. So again, if you're able, please go to manafoodbank.org. That's M-A-N-N-A, manafoodbank.org, and give what you can to help out fighting hunger here in Western North Carolina. And now back to the show. All right, everybody. I hope you've been enjoying this solo flight with just me talking to you and no guests. I'll try to have some guests for you next week. And before we sign off, I just want to review a few more things. First of all, I revisited one of my favorite dishes from Issa's French Bistro right there on the corner of Battery Park Ave and Haywood downtown inside the historic Haywood Park Hotel, which is the former super historic Bon Marche department store from the 1920s. And uh, Issa's is a big restaurant and they have a lunch menu and they're open during the day and a different dinner menu for nighttime. And one of my favorite things that I had in 2022 was the croissant madame, which is a big old croissant covered in a cheese sauce. And then there's a pit smoked ham and there's a sunny side up egg. And you crack that egg open and you start slicing that baby up. And it is just fantastically delicious it, I nominated it for a Stubby Award last year, uh, so I wanted to go revisit it again this year, and it's just as good as I remember. It It's huge, and you feel very satisfied by it uh, by the time you're finished with it, and it comes with a side. Pro tip for you, I got the French onion soup as a side, and while it was delicious, it was a huge portion of very hearty soup, and so... I probably should have ordered a salad, but the croak, oh, I almost called it a croak, madame, uh, the croissant, madame at Issa's Bistro, still worthy of its Stubby nomination, and perhaps it'll get another nomination this year. No promises on anything just yet, but uh, go try it for yourselves. I, I really recommend it. And then I want to just mention, I received a product in the mail, and it's called Antonio Carlo tomato sauces. I got two jars and I, it takes me a long time to cook and eat things. So I got these quite a while ago and I just used them and I got a bunch of bread from Sisu Bakery. You might remember my long interview with the, uh, with chef Maddie from Sisu Bakery last week. Well, uh, I used a lot of that bread to eat with this sauce and it was great. So Antonio Carlo is the brand Look for it online and order it or look for it in your grocery store and get it. I, I recommend it. It was delicious. Um, I also want to recommend, <clears throat> excuse me, the Affogato at Double D's, the coffee bus, not the strip joint. Just kidding. There is no strip joint, but that is one of the funniest names for a restaurant or a cafe ever. Double D's coffee bus. It's because it's a double decker bus. And I think it used to be called just the double decker coffee bus but now it's called double d's and double d's makes a great affogato oh my god like it was huge for one thing like it it was five bucks or something like that i can't remember but these things aren't cheap no matter how big they are and this thing was so worth it and uh just scoop after scoop of ice cream and then shot of espresso on top that's what an affogato is just in case you didn't know um, and it was great. And the folks who work at the coffee bus are just the best people. And, uh, so yeah, go pay them a visit the next time you're downtown. It is very popular with the tourists. So if you see a line, skip it on by, cause it takes a little while to make coffee drinks. So that line ain't going to go too quickly and also, and then come back when there's no line, but, uh, also, uh, they don't, they only accept cash. So keep that in mind, too, because don't get in line, wait in a long line, and then find out they don't take cash, because then you'll be SOL. Uh, and the last thing I want to mention before I sign off is that uh, I got some delicious tacos at my, my favorite taco place, Andale Way, at the base of the South Slope on, uh, I think technically it's on South Charlotte Street. Not quite sure about that one, but you can't miss it. Big old Mexican restaurant right at the base of the 
like I said, the South Slope, and uh, they have a section of their menu that is, uh, well, they have a page of their menu that's tacos. A section is sort of like Tex-Mex style or whatever, but a section that's Mexican tacos and a section that is seafood tacos. And those are the two sections I really recommend. The shrimp taco from Andale Way is very delicious. And of course, the birria taco, or I'll try to roll my R, sorry, birria taco. See, I'm just not that good at that. Birria taco. Got to say it fast. Got to take a running approach at it. The birria taco was and is still delicious. And it was my taco of the year winner for 2022. So I revisited some favorites from last year and discovered a new favorite with the affogato at Double D's. And uh, I, I, I'm i not sure I'll call Antonio Carlo a favorite. I've had it once, but it's good sauce. So go get it if you need some sauce. All right, folks, that's the show for this week. Like I said, I hope you didn't mind that it was just me. I want to thank you for listening. And please follow me on social media at Stu Helm Food Fan on Instagram, Facebook, Substack, and I think that's about it these days. And thank you, WPVM 103.7 FM, for taking my humble podcast and turning it into a radio broadcast. I appreciate you very much. And folks, if you eat something good, find me on social media and let me know about it. Bye. This episode of the Food Fans Radio Show was underwritten in part by Asheville Food Tours. Did you know that there are over 200 places to eat and drink in downtown Asheville alone? It can be overwhelming. Whether you're a visitor or a local, there's no better way to experience downtown Asheville than taking a food tour with Asheville Food Tours. Details, pricing, and an easy-to-use calendar can be found at AshevilleFoodTours.com. That's AshevilleFoodTours.com.